fortunately, uh, most of the damage in our area, it seems like, has been mostly trees down a few uh, places where there was damage done to houses and so forth. Um, not far away, there's been uh, much more damage and even uh, loss of life, so we certainly keep uh, folks in our prayers about that. We, uh, somebody was asking about our place. We, we don't have too much trouble uh, other than like when tree limbs fall on fences and stuff and things can get out when that happens. Teresa was telling me about uh, her seeing somebody advertised, uh, if you lost an ostrich, it's up here on the road. Can you believe driving around in Kansas and seeing an ostrich on the road that got loose from somewhere? We have a, behind our house, a, a, it's one of the most amazing things to me, a seasonal creek. And if it's a dry year, there's nothing in it. And it runs the length of our property, probably the back third of it. If it's kind of a normal rain year, it'll have maybe a little water in it, certainly pools of water in it. But, and it doesn't really come from anywhere. It, it's not, there are the 80 acres north of us is the same way as ours, and then north of that there's a paved road and there's kind of a bridge there, but then after that there's just pasture that kind of slopes down. So if it rains a tremendous amount, then it just goes down and it starts right there, just north of us about a half a mile. But there were times this week as everywhere where that little seasonal creek behind our house was as wide as this room is. I mean, just flowing like crazy and all that. You, you could not cross it without getting wet, you know, above your waist and so forth. Just absolutely ridiculous. Now, the good thing that I do like about it, now most of it I don't like, but the one good thing I like is that if there's dead debris and all that kind of stuff around tree limbs and stuff like that around, it picks it up and it carries it off downstream. And downstream is Andrew and Jenna's place. It just goes there. So that works out good. I don't have to mess with it. Just, I'm just kind of kidding about that. Uh, don't forget the, the big stuff coming up. Uh, Vacation Bible School in just a week, a week and one day. In uh, basketball camp after that, a week or so after that ends. And then the Freck's coming in about seven weeks, I think, from today. We'll begin their ministry here. Uh, we had a great Lord's Day last year, hearing them, meeting them, uh, celebrating that. So that was wonderful. Um, today is uh, big for three reasons. It's the Lord's Day. That's always first. No matter if it's a holiday or whatever, the, it's the Lord's Day. It's the day we reserve for him and set aside uh, to, vote, to devote to him. Second is Memorial Day weekend, uh, kind of Memorial Sunday today, and we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. And the third big thing, maybe this isn't as relevant to you, but it sure is to me, it's, the st this is, it's relevant because of raising cattle. Today's the unofficial start of summer grilling season. So go out and buy your beef and just consume it by the, by the grill full and all that. It helps us a ton. Memorial Day weekend, uh, this began as a day, and, and still primarily devoted to that, to remember those who have died serving their country. I remember my dad uh, telling us a story of, uh, this was in uh, the 
latter part, um, end of August, 1st September of 1944, uh, his uncle, it would be his dad's uh, younger brother, uh, coming back uh, by train uh, to their community to return, and, and they went out uh, to see that. But when the door of the train opened, and of course they knew this ahead of time, uh, he, he returned home in a casket. He was killed in France on August 25th. His name was John, uh, August 25th, 1944, about a year or so before uh, the war ended, and he was 31 years old, and uh, they, they carried his casket uh, off of the train. And I remember my dad talking about uh, seeing his billfold that they gave to family members. I don't think he had a family yet of his own, but his parents or whatever. And uh, his billfold was uh, stained with his own blood from having been killed in the war. It's that kind of thing that we foremost remember in those people. Uh, by and large, we're getting a little farther, thankfully, from having very many memories like that. Uh, but, but it's still true, and we still remember those. We also use it, of course, as a time to visit often the, the graves, uh, the memorials, uh, to remember loved ones who have passed away. We have lots of incredible memorials in the United States. Our daughter and son-in-law, as they returned from Barbados for two months, uh, they took a vacation back east, primarily around Washington, D.C. area, and uh, went to Arlington National Cemetery and saw John F. Kennedy's grave with the eternal flame. And, and uh, that's a neat, neat, uh, solemn memorial. Uh, we saw a news story this week uh, about the annual laying a wreath or putting a wreath uh, at the tomb of the unknown soldier, which I understand uh, was to commemorate uh, those who died in World Wars I and II and also the Korean conflict. One that doesn't get as much attention, certainly on Memorial Day, because um, it's not related to serving, having served in the military, but Still a stark and solemn reminder of people we've lost are the crosses by the roadside. I drive by those anymore and I, I really don't give them too much thought because there's so many now. But every single one of those, every single one, has a person behind it, or maybe multiple ones, and in, in, in lives and stories that are unique. John, or uh, Paul Williams, longtime part of our church, uh, maybe you don't know the name, but maybe you remember him up here singing, providing special music often, uh, passed away a um, year or so ago, and uh, he was always, Paul was a great uh, history just loved reading about and visiting historical things. And he was always telling me one of the ones that just caught his attention, certainly because it was local, was the, the, uh, the uh, shootout in Coffeeville involving the Dalton gang when the townspeople got together and, and killed almost every member, four out of the five members of the Dalton gang, when they came into town to rob two banks. And the, the fifth one, another of the three Dalton brothers that were involved in that, 
you know, was shot 11 times and didn't die of his injuries. Matter of fact, lived a pretty long life after that. But uh, four of the five were killed and one was uh, critically injured. And so when I was in Coffeyville this past year, not that long ago, many months ago, I drove over to that cemetery where they were buried, and it was the strangest memorial I've ever seen. Maybe you've seen that. There was nothing there marking the grave of four members of the Dalton gang, two Daltons and two others that were members of their gang, except this weird metal pipe, uh, probably inch and a half or so around, that comes out of the ground and goes over like this, almost U-shaped, and goes back in the ground. And some have likened it to a hitching post, a horse hitching post made out of metal pipe. But that's all that marked where these notorious bank robbers and outlaws and gang were almost all buried. So we have some neat, we have some strange memorials in our country. And this morning I want to talk about uh, spiritually as Christians, the two ultimate memorials. Now, some of this won't apply to a number of people here, most of the people here, in terms of needing it. But I think you'll learn a lot from the explanations about it. So maybe the exhortation to do it isn't relevant to you, but the explanation about it I hope very much will be. And I don't want what I don't want today, at the end of both services, at the end of nine service, at the end of 11 service, is for anybody to leave here and not understand this and be confronted with the need for this, these two memorials, the ultimate memorials. This is, I was talking with Andrew about this a day or two ago. This is a message that I and, and, and certainly most preachers and many, and many spiritual leaders don't really need to prepare for. But I did. We could talk about this in our sleep because we talk about it so often, but we need to be wide awake. This needs to be delivered with passion because I think it originally was. I can't imagine it any other way. Now I think in terms of Christianity, if we would pick out one symbol, one symbol to... Um, to, to look to as the memorial of Christianity, I think it would, of course, be the cross. The cross is displayed um, visibly, obviously, in, in lots of places, churches primarily and so forth. Um, and, and we kind of view that as the ultimate memorial of Christianity. However, that's not somewhere we can be. And that's why I think God gave us, Jesus instituted these two memorials because they are places that we can be. We have to be part of these. These two memorials are, of course, first of all, Baptism, and second of all, communion, or the Lord's Supper. Now, baptism is the first memorial to Jesus that we are to be a part of. It begins here. In looking at baptism, I tried to do that from a fresh perspective that I'd not done before. 
and looking at every single use of baptism in the New Testament, and there are about and maybe exactly 100 uses of the word baptism, and that doesn't include the description of John the Baptist. It doesn't include that word. It includes baptized, baptism, baptized, words like that, action words and related to that. Now, if that's used a hundred times in the New Testament, it's got to be important to God and to us. Now, you won't find in the Bible, we talked about famous tombs and that, you won't find any pictures of Jesus' tomb for obvious reasons. And yet there is really a picture of that that we're supposed to be part of. Romans chapter 6 in the first four verses. And I want to use this, although there are, again, lots of them, and lots of them all refer to, but for the picture part of baptism, what it's about, why God wants us to do it, why we need to do it, we must do it, this is maybe the best. Romans chapter 6, 1 through 4. What shall we say then? Should we go on sinning so that grace should increase? By no means. Today we'd say, no way. We died to sin. How can we live in sin any longer? Or, and here it is, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Now I want you to get the picture. There's the first part. That happened on Friday. He died on Friday. We were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. He was buried Friday. He was in the grave all day Saturday. So you've already seen a picture of his death and his burial. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Now here's the picture of baptism. Some people say, particularly if they don't want to be baptized, why God chose, choose that one? Why didn't he choose and say, hey, if you read the Bible the whole way through, you begin your Christian life? Why didn't he say, if you go to church three out of four Sundays a month or whatever, then you're a Christian? Why did he choose baptism? He chose it because of this picture, that when we go down into the water, whether it's here or maybe for you it was an ocean or a river or whatever it was. When you go down into that water, you're likened, being likened to a picture of what Jesus did for you and you are now doing for him by his death, his burial, going under the water and being horizontal like burial, and then coming up out of the water as a picture of his resurrection. That's why he chose baptism. That's why he wants us to choose baptism. So we understand what Jesus did for us. He died for us. 
He was buried for us. He stayed in that tomb until it was obvious that there was no life in him that he was dead. And then he rose from the dead. He came out of that tomb. That's the picture of baptism. Now, this is what I did I've never done before in regard to a study of baptism. I looked up every single reference and noticed the things that the Word of God said multiple times about different areas, and it seemed to me that there were seven of them. Now, I know that's a biblical number, and it fits in real good. It's a preacher deal. But it seemed to me that there were seven things about baptism that were mentioned multiple times. And I I don't think you've heard it put this way before. I never have. But notice these seven things. Number one, you're baptized in water. Not just with water, in water. One reference in scripture, they were baptizing near Anon, A-E-N-O-N, because there was much water there. The very word for baptism means to plunge or to dip something under water. So they were baptized in water. Number two, I've got to go through these quickly. I want to get them all in. I'm going to talk fast. So you have to listen fast. Okay? You have two ears. I just have one mouth. You ought to be able to do that. Number two, baptized in the name of Jesus. That's mentioned a number of times. I could give you multiple scripture references for each one of these. Peter, in Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Number three, you're baptized after or with repentance. Now that's a big one. Multiple times in those hundred uses of it. Baptism is linked with repentance. Usually that repentance, that turning yourself over to God, your life going from thinking about other things and having other priorities and going a different direction rather than with God, and you do an about face and you're thinking about God. And your priorities are God. And you're going toward God now. That's repentance. You don't just say, hey, I I, want to be baptized and it not make a difference in your life. It's not possible. It always involves repentance. Always. Number four, you're baptized into his death. Remember that picture we talked about? You're, You're dying. You're you're emulating what Jesus did for you by his death. But you're baptized into his death and your sins are put to death. Romans 6, 3, you're baptized into his death. Now you're also baptized with the Holy Spirit. Matthew 3, 11 and Acts 1, 5 and Acts 2, 38. When you're baptized, you receive the Spirit of God in your life. Mentioned a number of times with baptism. Remember, I'm I'm sharing quickly seven things 
that there are multiple references to in these hundred references to baptism in Scripture that are a part of being baptized. Number six, you're baptized because of your sin and to take care of your sin. Acts 22, 16, be baptized and wash away your sins. Number seven, you're baptized to be saved. Mark 16, 16, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. 1 Peter 3, 21, baptism now saves you, not the removal of dirt from the flesh, you're not taking a bath, but the pledge of a good conscience to God. Okay. Let me go over there twice as fast this time. You're baptized in water. You're baptized into the name of Jesus. You're baptized with repentance. You're baptized into his death. You're baptized and you receive the Holy Spirit. You're baptized because of your sin and to take care of your sin, and you're baptized to be saved. Now, can I be saved without being baptized? The thief on the cross was. He was dying. He had no chance. Scripture doesn't say that can be true. That's up to God. But I wouldn't take a chance. Now, let me finish with my plea for baptism. Baptism isn't an option. It's a command. Jesus commands it. Peter commands it. We have to be baptized. That's how we begin our eternal relationship with God is being baptized. It's also an act of obedience. It's difficult. Relationship with God is all about obedience. He's in charge. We're submitting to him and allowing him to be in charge. And we're not just allowing that, we want that. God, I want, I need you to be in charge of my life because I can't do anything about the important parts of it. And you can do everything about it. I want you to be in charge of my life. I I submit to you being in charge of my life. And baptism does that. Part of that submission is obedience to God. And baptism is obedience. I always say, baptism is a beautiful, simple thing. The Baptism is the simplest thing you will ever do as a Christian. And if I say, God, I'm not going to do that, or I can't do that for whatever reason, I've heard them all. My grandpa never would be baptized, and I I don't want to be better than him, and all kinds of stuff. If I say, God... I really don't want to be baptized, or I don't see the need to be baptized, or I don't know why you would want me to be baptized. 
then we're not being obedient to God in the first thing he asks us to do. So what's going to happen when he asks me to do something more difficult? And it's impossible to follow God without being obedient. If you're not being obedient, you're not following God. It's very simple. We also do it out of, by example. Uh, Christ did that. Christ didn't need to be baptized. He came from heaven. He was going back to heaven. He didn't need to be baptized. But he did that as an example for us. So we couldn't say, well, Jesus didn't do it. Why should I? Maybe the idea there is as dads, and, and dads, we dads are much more reluctant to be baptized. That's absolutely statistically true. Whether we've got more pride or whatever, it's more difficult to submit to baptism or whatever, but it's absolutely true. But if we want our family to follow God, and we need to do that as an example to them. Let me cover communion quickly, and it's a lot easier to cover. There are not near as many uh, references to communion as there are to baptism in Scripture. My favorite text, I often use it on the occasions when I do a, uh, a communion meditation, is uh, Paul talking about the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians 11, probably the, the best and, and, and most complete treatise on communion in the New Testament. And in the middle of that, he says this, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the very night he was betrayed, the night before he died, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said this, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me, or, or do this to remember me. We're talking about memorials, we're talking about remembering. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, and do this whenever you drink it to remember me. When you eat this bread, when you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. I don't know if you caught that link there. Um, he, he talks about Jesus having died and he talks about them doing it now and then he talks about doing it until... Jesus comes back again. So it links all of that time between when Jesus died and when Jesus comes back. So Christians the world over, the world over, down through 20 centuries, every Lord's Day, have taken these emblems as a week by week by week link between when Jesus died and when Jesus comes back. And we get to be part of that chain. Acts chapter 20 verse 7 says that, and, and unlike baptism, communion is not a command. 
in Scripture. We have examples of the early Christians doing that, of Jesus instituting that. We have their example of when they did that on the first day of the week or when they gathered together. We don't have any command. So, so a church isn't wrong about the frequency of doing it. Whether they do it once a week, whether they do it once a month, whether they do it on special occasions, whatever it is. We do this here, and we're one of the Christian churches, are one of the few churches that do this every Lord's Day because we believe the example and the exhortation in Scripture is to do this on the first day of the week when you get together to remember what Jesus did. Now, let's wind this up. The ultimate memorials for Christianity and for earthly to eternal life Our baptism and communion. They're both hugely tied up with remembering Jesus' death for us. And we're doing it right now. We're in the middle of that. And they both mention Jesus' return, communion and baptism. So they both mention Jesus' death, and we take them, Baptism one time, communion every week, every week, every week, every week, until Jesus comes back. For Christians, those are the, the two ultimate memorials. Now, please, 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 I can't please enough, I can't plead enough. If you haven't been baptized into Jesus Christ, don't put that off any longer. You don't have to come forward right now as we go into a decision time, but do grab somebody and say, hey, I, I recognize I need to do this. I want to do this. Call me or one of the leaders up or a friend up when you get home tonight, this week, or whatever, and say, hey, let's, I need to get baptized. Let's do that. I've wanted to do this for a long time. I've just never done it. My wife's wanted me to do this for a long time. I've just never done it. I need to do that. Please do not put that off. Let's stand and sing together. And you have a decision to make, whether it's to be baptized, to become part of this church family or whatever. Um, please make that now.